Yeah, yeah, I was just saying that I just really love your posts because oh. it's so refreshing to see, you know, like my traumas like validated on Instagram because mostly like, you know, you see like things like yeah. scriptures and stuff like that. It's just like, oh God, oh God, again, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, it, quite triggering for me. So to have, wow, somebody gets it. Somebody actually gets it. Somebody actually talks about spiritual abuse. You know, can we talk about it? You know, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I spent two years writing this book yeah. and I, I really must say that I did it totally on my own. I, I, I didn't know that it was anybody else thinking this kind of things, yeah. especially living in Switzerland, you know, where there is not many evangelic, evangelical and still less ex-evangelicals. So yeah. when I began to, to be curious on Instagram and to discover this, uh, you know, hashtag deconstruction or ex-evangelical or things yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like what people are actually going through this? And I was a bit like a kid in the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, shop, you know, discovering wonderful ideas and people sharing the same experience. So I like to repost things that struck me. Yeah, really amazing stuff because I actually stumbled across the term spiritual abuse by accident. I didn't mm. even know that it was a thing. Like I thought if somebody abused you, like, you know, it's like a physical abuse, a sexual mm -hmm. abuse, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, when I was in, in my um, marriage, I was like telling my ex-partner, like, you know, you abused me financially, emotionally, psychologically, like all the different things I just listened I said, and spiritually. And mm -hmm. I thought, is that even a thing or am I just making it up? And yeah. then I Googled it and like lots of things were coming up about mm -hmm. wolf in sheep's clothing and stuff like that, you know? Uh -huh. So do you want to tell me a bit about like your personal experience with spiritual abuse and, you know, how you wow. ended up writing this fantastic book? Ah, yes, thank you for saying it's a fantastic book. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could say so many things, you know, but when I began this process of looking back at what I had been through, mm. uh, I realized that I had a lot of memories that I was not paying so much attention to. You know, I was thinking, okay, it's not so, so heavy, it's not uh. so difficult. And looking back, back at them, I began to realize how much it had um, wounded me in, in very deep, uh, deep ways. The, 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 most, uh, the most dramatic uh, memory is one about the healing that I am supposed to have received when I was around 12 years old, you know. Um, I can talk a bit about that if you want, because yeah. I, was, um, I had, when I was a kid, a genetic disease in my bone, mm. in my leg. And this disease was making my bone fragile. Okay. So I broke it every time. Several times. And, you know, it, it, it was very, it was a burden during all my childhood and teenage years. 
And because of this broken leg, my legs weren't growing in the same pace. So I was lame as well. Mm. And when I was 11 years old, my father, who was very, very much, you know, uh, dedicated into evangelism and, uh, okay, it was very, very important for him. He heard about a healer that was coming to our town and to our church. Wow. And this, this healer's speciality was to fix legs, you know. Wow, okay. So he, he said, okay, you have to prepare and to have faith because Jesus is going to heal you. So we went to this healer uh, and we had this kind of meeting, you know, where he, he preaches the gospel and everybody is invited to give his life to Jesus which I did for the 17th or 20th times, just to be sure it was really yeah. done. And <laughs> after that, the, the calling to healing. And, you know, it was like uh, in the circus. Mm. I was seated in front of everybody, and the healer, who was a very enthusiastic man, and he, he was spluttering, and he was sweating, and he was holding my feet, and showing the difference of length of my legs. I think this is a magic trick that they're all using because this was like <laughs> done to me. You've seen that? Yeah, and it was done to me too. It was done to you too? Yes, this Incredible. was done to me. I, I wasn't born with any genetic disorder. I didn't have one leg shorter than the uh -huh. other or anything, but I think it was like during my pregnancy, um, uh -huh. with my daughter, I think the preacher like, you know, called me up to the front uh -huh. kind of thing. Like you uh -huh. woman, come out. It's, God wants to tell you something or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he ends up like, I don't know, saying maybe there's something wrong with my baby or something like that. Like he's not growing like wow. good so he's like lies me down on the floor and he's like showing everybody look look at the difference between her legs he called the other pastor come and look can you see this he said wow yes look not too much not too much stop jesus stop it's good yeah and then he started to like pull my leg to make it like the same exactly the same yeah, yeah. And I've seen this done to loads of people in the church yeah. before yeah. so and everybody uploading wow healing yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Jesus, and so on. And I was a bit frustrated because I was expecting, you know, to have a kind of mystical experience. Mm. But it was just the healing. So the day after we went to the doctor and he measured my legs and he said, no, it's the same. Uh, nothing has changed. And nothing at all. So there was no there. difference. N nothing and we called the healer and he said oh you know sometimes when it's a difficult case you've got to ask twice so come back tomorrow i've got a meeting in another city so we took the car and we drove and everything began exactly the same the, the meeting the calling the healing the uploads and nothing changed nothing wow but you know it's it's kind of funny, but for the, the 12 years old I was, I remember when the doctor said, okay, nothing has changed. I remember becoming like blank, you know, like collapsing internally. Mm. And when I go back to this moment, I, 
somehow know that it's the moment where I choose to repress my intelligence yeah. and to suppress my emotions mm. in order to be able to go, go on with this faith mm. that was so important for my family's balance, you know, because everybody was hiding so much anxiety, so much even terror of life behind these religious uh, beliefs mm -hmm. that I knew as a child that if it was taken away from my parents, they would collapse. Mm -hmm. So I decided, okay, I repress my intelligence, I repress my feelings, and I'm going to, to validate that for them. Yeah. To the point that I became pastor later. Oh my goodness, this, this, this gets interesting. Tell me about that. How did you become a pastor? Even though you kind of felt inside, okay, I kind of know what's going on here, you know? Nah, but, but I didn't know, you know. I was using my intelligence to build explanations, mm. you know? And during the years to come, the, the doctor found some ways to fix it, yeah. to make my legs equal again. And they said, okay, the genetic disease with the end of the teenage years, it's, it's going away. It's, everything is going to be all right. Hmm. So in some way, I, I, I found this explanation or my father found this explanation, but I took it totally that, okay, Jesus healed you, but in another way. Okay. You know, he so you attributed your healing not to the really? doctor, but to yeah. the healing that these two exactly. healers exactly. did. Yeah, like yeah, maybe yeah. it took a few years to actually kick yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's tricky because I, I I had something about spirituality. I was loving this. I was driven to to the mystery of the of the divine and so on. Mm. So. It was not difficult for me to, to, to think of Jesus, and, but it was so narrow-minded. Mm. And in the same way, it was tricky because my family was a very toxic place, yeah. very dark. Mm. And the church was a place where I could breathe, you know. It was the youth group. It was the possibility to, to, to be with young, young people my age without feeling guilty. Yeah, it was possible to uh, to interact with girls without feeling guilty. Mm. All these kind of things that made the, the church a kind of place of refuge. So yeah. almost like a community. Being a pastor was something, you know. It was all. I almost didn't have any other choice. <laughs> But how, like what moment were you like, okay, I want to be a pastor? Was it an influence? Was it an invite? Did somebody invite you and say, hey, you should come and be a pastor? How did it happen? How did you kind of decide, okay, I'm going to follow this route and be a pastor? I could say that it was, you know, discovering in my youth group mm. this freedom yeah. to interact with other people my age and discovering a role model in the pastor mm. that was, you know, this kind of big brother, father image, good friend yeah. uh, that, that I was craving mm. to, to us, you know? And 
I think I could have done anything just to 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 be like him. Mm. And so becoming a pastor was becoming more and more obvious. Yeah. yeah. And it lasted for 15 years, you know. I was a pastor in an evangelical church for 15 years. Wow. And I was quite good at it. It was a I had good moments and the, the church was going well. But little by little. And I think that's grace, you know. I began to realize, okay, something is going wrong. Mm, and the, most of it was to begin with my relationship with my ex-wife. Because we were both so much wounded. And, you know, it's the evangelical faith that was holding us together. Yeah. And, okay, it was working in a sense, but we had both of us to repress so much sufferings, so much anger, so much traumas. And our relationship was full of frustration, full of um, bitterness, I can say. So we both realized that we had to, to do something. You know, it, it was not possible to ignore it. Yeah. We tried to pray it away. We tried to, 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 to cast every demon that we could imagine or to do all the inner healing and the thing that we could imagine. But it was not working, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then... I began to realize how much fear was at the core of my church faith. Mm. And I remember my, my six-year-old <laughs> coming back from the, we call that the Sunday church. It's the, the, the church for children. And he was crying and he was crying because the, the lady that was teaching the Sunday class, she told the children that Pokemon, I don't know if you know Pokemon, okay? Yeah. Pokemon was not a, a good game. It was a bunch of demons under this disguise, this appearance of little beautiful uh, Pokemons. Wow. So, and this lady is a very nice and gentle and generous lady, but she told it to the children. And my, my kid came, my, 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 my son came crying and desperate because he was loving this game so much. Yeah. And I realized, okay, if this is the kind of things we say to our children, it means that there is a lot of fear a lot. inside the church. Yeah. And the, the core of our message is maybe not so much grace and God's love and freedom, but maybe the core of our message is fear, um, fear of the world, build mm -hmm. walls and barriers and protect yourself and don't become contaminated. And I began to see all the, the message in, in another perspective mm. and to realize that even if I was preaching a lot about grace, about God's love, about freedom, and so on. This same tendency was inside me. I needed to protect myself from many things, and I needed to protect myself from many of what was inside me. Mm. You know? So 
it began little by little with that kind of uh, questioning. Mm. And at a point, I think the what made the, the, the turning point was that I realized, okay, I'm a pastor. I receive money from the church to earn my living. And for this money, I have a job to do. Mm-hmm. So I cannot allow myself the freedom I need to ask all the questions that I want to ask. Yeah. <laughs> you see, mm-hmm. I, I, I cannot allow myself the freedom that I need. Yeah. Because even if I say I will give me give the freedom, I will take this freedom, I will always have a kind of fear that okay, my income depends on the fact that I satisfy the my employers. <laughs> you see. Give them what they want, right? Yeah, give them what they want in a sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized Confusedly, that I said to my church, okay, I, I, I asked you six months to look for another job. And in six months, I'm leaving. I give my uh, resignation. So I did it. I was still Christian and evangelical, but I was thinking, okay, I'm going to push some of these questions yeah. further. And <laughs> they went so much further that I could have imagined, you know. Wow. From the moment I took this decision, everything began to deconstruct very, very quickly. Wow. To the point that I, I wasn't able to go to, to church anymore, and uh, which was, uh, which was uh, a relief for my ex-parishioners because they, uh, you know, in, in a question of 10 days, my social network totally disappeared, vanished into the air. And uh, I was uh, every one of my friends and contacts. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I was just about we to ask, it. how did they react when you started to distance yeah. and decided you want to, you know. I think they were very preoccupied and they, they were beginning to think, okay, it's good that this man goes away. Yeah, before he influences. Very, very, very much disturbing, yeah. yeah. They were very relieved, I think. Hmm. So what kind of things, like when you started to go on like your own personal spiritual journey and, you know, you mentioned that you couldn't really go to church anymore. What kind of things would kind of repel you from, from that environment? Uh, you know, I was feeling a bit like um, a drug addicted Mm. You know, when when you, uh, I had some friends that were ex-heroin uh, addicted, yeah. and they were totally aware of the fact that if they were coming back to the places they were going before, the, the temptation to go back to their old habits would be very strong. Yeah. And when I was going back to church, it was not the temptation to go back to my old addiction, but mm. it was painful to realize how much these things had, you know, um, filled such void in my life. And in the same time, I was not um, accepting them anymore. And I was seeing how much of it was toxic. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I really needed, you know, to be away, to be on my own and to face the void, to face the to face the, the silence and the, the fact that I I had doubts instead of certainties, I had uh, questions instead instead of answers, and it was good for me. It was a kind of healthy deprivation, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So just and allow I, you to like think differently, have time. Yeah, I, it's learn okay. to think differently because I never had the opportunity of exploring right. it. Yeah. Because by the time you know it, it's Sunday again, you need to do more preaching, you know, you yeah. need to read your Bible, you need to do some prayers, prayer meeting, this, that, this, that. Yeah. It's like constant, you know, when do you ever get that chance to really, hmm, mm-hmm. think about Think by yourself. Yeah. Explore new things. Yeah. Explore some. Enjoy yeah. things, you know, explore yeah. things. Not always thinking, ooh, would this be something that Jesus would approve of? Hmm. Yeah. I'm watching Harry Potter. It seems like there's witches in this Harry exactly. Potter. Maybe yeah. I should be watching this. It's a bad influence. Pokemon, you know? So you start... I spend a lot of time reading Harry Potter and <laughs> going to cinema and listening to After. so much music that I... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because I think when you're in that environment, it's kind of like restrict restrictive even though you've been told oh this is bad this is negative this is evil this is of the devil you know you don't really give yourself an opportunity to explore if that is even true you know mm-hmm. it's just like no 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 i can't i can't do that i can't yeah. go there i can't watch this i can't do yeah. and you know you're missing so much of life you know yeah. by just yeah. shutting your mind off to new possibilities, new places, new environments, new things, new music, new films, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that you become a more open person, you know, when you step out of that environment. Definitely. And you know the fact of discovering people believing in different things and discovering beautiful people. I met uh, witches, I met... Buddhists and Hinduists and people from many different traditions and discovered many beautiful people and yeah. was very much enriched by it. Yeah, because yeah. it's like before, those would have been the people that you would have like marginalized and ignored. Oh my God, witches? No, you can't corrupt me. You worship the devil. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You or, know? or they would have been targets, you know, people yeah. to convert. Yeah. Yeah, you know try and you know because it's all about the numbers isn't it in in church it's all about recruiting somebody you know it's almost cult-like you know you have to recruit somebody get them in there it's the same mechanism it's exactly the same thing you know Mm -hmm. so did you have any kind of kind of fears after obviously when you started to deconstruct and see you know I'm I'm allowed to do these things, you know? I'm allowed to think like this. I'm allowed, you know? Did you have any kind of fears? Like, I know kind of like the the biggest fear for every Christian is going to hell, yeah. you know? <laughs> I remember two moments around it, you know? Yeah. I remember one moment where I was so pissed off mm. and so angry of what I was discovering, you know, this, this core fear at yeah. the heart of Christianity. Mm. And I really said to God during my prayer, okay, if you really like that and you love to send people to hell, I'm going to go to hell because you don't deserve my attention. Yeah. <laughs> and I was meaning it, you know. <laughs> and it's really just giving yourself that permission to say that, yeah. you know? Yeah. 
Whereas before, the mindset that you were in before would be like, I can never even like, oh my God, I would never even entertain that. But it's like, even if I do have these thoughts and stuff, I'm still a human being. I'm still allowed Mm -hmm. to think. I'm still allowed to feel. Mm -hmm. If that's the way Mm -hmm. I feel, I can even talk to God or the universe or whatever you want to call it, you know, and say the thing, you know? Uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I remember another moment that was almost funny. It makes me smile when I think back of it because I... I decided to leave the church mm-hmm. and I had this kind of little voice intuition and I had this feeling of Jesus uh, laughing a bit and saying, <laughs> okay, it's good. It's the moment you do that. You know, you, you are not going to, to live all your yeah. life wanting to hold me by the hand. Mm-hmm. You are not a children anymore. You, you need to grow up and to, to, to let go of my hands and go with your own <laughs> way. Right. Yeah, and go and explore. I was feeling, okay, that's, that's, that's a Jesus that be, is beginning to be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the one that says, you can't go here, you can't watch this, mm-hmm. you can't watch that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not really mm-hmm. living life, you know. And if, you know, religion is supposed to be all about freedom, as you said before, you know, a lot of Christian or religious people are living a really, really limited, restricted life, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not tasting the goodness of life that, you know, the creator even wanted for you because of all these things that people have told you, this is good, this is bad. It's kind of based off other people's opinions, mm-hmm. really. That's true, yeah, yeah. Mm. So after all of this, when was the moment that you thought, you know what, I'm going to write a book? Did it start with you like a wow. journal or what? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a different story, you know. I never thought of writing a book for years. <laughs> and I was uh, thinking, okay, all this Christian part of my life is behind. Okay? Yeah. And um, I was, you know, teaching meditation Mm-hmm. and practicing yoga and i met a, a woman who became my wife and you know life was going well and it was very cool <laughs> and i was enjoying it yeah. and i didn't realize at this point how much i was still carrying uh, a load of toxicity yeah coming back from this past and something happened that was very very difficult for me uh, I broke my leg, mm. which was really a surprise because it was not, uh, I didn't have an accident. It, it broke spontaneously. Yep. I was just walking and it broke. Wow. Which was what was happening to me when I was a teenager. Yeah. Because of this genetic disease. Mm. And I went to the hospital, totally traumatized. And uh, the doctor said, okay, your genetic disease is still there. And it's what caused this, uh, this like, situation. Yeah. So I was very angry and pissed off because it reminded me, it, it, it brought me in contact with all these memories and this supposed healing and so on. Yeah. And the second moment that was still more difficult is six weeks later when I went back to the hospital just to check if the the leg was repairing properly. And the doctor uh, said to me, no, we discovered something that was totally unexpected. You've got a bone cancer. 
Wow. So I was devastated, terrified. I was beginning to realize uh, what it was meaning. You know, I was not even sure to be able to survive to it. And the doctor um, said, okay, we have to do some further analysis. But it's going to be difficult. And probably you are going to need even to have your leg amputated, Mm. which happened. Mm. And I remember going back to my... uh, to my home with my wife, and we were both terrified. And I remember the night after, you know, I was, the, the terror was all around me, and I was not able to sleep. And I began to meditate, just, you know, to, to time, try to find some relief. And I began, you know, to breathe, inhalation, exhalation, and I don't really know why, but I began to repeat the name of Jesus using it as a mantra. Mm. I don't really know why, but we had talked with my wife about it and we were saying, okay, we need help. Mm. And I did that. And I had a very surprising experience. I really felt totally um, surrounded by, by such a peace mm. and total surprise. I was here breathing and feeling this presence of the divine mm. being with me and with this kind of total um, confidence that I was not alone in this situation. and. It wasn't suppressing anything of the the difficulty. I was still feeling the anxiety, the terror, the anger, the grief, and so on, but I had a place from where I could embrace it Mm. instead of trying, you know, to reject it and to try to to stay together. And I had a place from where I could face it. Mm. And during the days that followed, Every time I was just breathing and saying this name, I was feeling the same peace, which allowed me to go through the scanner, IRM, and so on, and say to the doctor, okay, let's go for this amputation because it's my best chance to, to survive. Yeah. And going through this amputation and waking up without my leg and learning to walk again uh, without a leg and you know, all this process that was very difficult. It was the, the worst thing that ever happened in my life and for my wife as well. So, but I had this place from where I could face it. Mm. And this experience had a very interesting effect. <laughs> you know, it, it was kind of, it was the first time that I had such a mystical or spiritual experience. Mm. And it was very different from many of the things that I had experienced in the church. Mm. But it was some connections with some memories that I had of being with Jesus or feeling Jesus' love, things like that. And I was wondering, you know, is it something authentic? Yeah, I think... Or I'm, is I'm, it a kind of relapse, you know? Yeah. The, the situation is very difficult, so I am a bit hallucinating just to be able to face it. Okay, mm. so... But I was feeling, okay, this is something authentic. 
and it's truly helping me. Yeah. Not helping me to avoid the things as before, because faith was helping me to avoid a lot of things. No, it's helping me to face my situation. And you know when you take a stone and you, you pull it away and the light comes and you see all the little worms and disgusting uh, yeah. insects crawling in panic because of the light. Yeah. And I began to reconsider my, my religious history in the light of what was happening to me. And that's when I began to discover very clearly what I call in my book, the toxic Jesuses. Mm. I was seeing them crawling in panic, <laughs> you know, and it was Jesus, the, the magician, Jesus, the misogynist, Jesus, the, the fanatic, Jesus, the, the enabler of abuse, Jesus, the abuser, a lot of expressions, religious expressions, religious masks of Jesus mm. that were promoting all this oppression, all this repression, all this fear, all this toxicity that I was seeing in my past experience. And I was beginning to, to, to discover in my own life these toxic residues of my evangelical upbringing. I was beginning to discover the, the fatalism, my tendency to accept passively what was happening to me. I was beginning to discover the, um, the resignation, the, this, this taste for suffering and this kind of fascination to death, you know, mm. uh, that is so much expressed when we begin to talk about the, the cross and the blood of Jesus and, you know, this idea that we should pay something to have the right to exist and to, and a lot of different things that are expressed through this expression, the toxic Jesuses. Hmm. And I had the opportunity to, to go to a, a group of therapy with my wife, which helped me very much to elaborate these things. Hmm. But, you know, it was really a very intense moment during the, the two or three months that followed my amputation, where I was seeing all the pieces of the puzzle coming together, and I was beginning to see the big picture. And the, the book is really born from that moment. Mm. And I, I needed, you know, for myself to begin, I needed to really to elaborate and to give full voice to all the abuse I had suffered. Mm. And writing it, I began to think, okay, I need to share it because I know so many people who have been abused the same way, maybe in less and maybe sometimes in more dramatic ways. And I have been myself a perpetrator of this abuse because I have been a pastor. And even if I wasn't uh, so extreme as other people I've heard or, okay, I was perpetrating some of its abuse. So I need to, to, to contribute to, the, to help people to, to open their eyes 
And maybe if this book can contribute for some people in their deconstruction process, and you know, to to reclaim some of their life energy and yeah. the ability to go to a healthy spirituality, because it's it's. I think spirituality is a great thing and very interesting, and uh, it can really help people to to live better. Yeah. But it can be so toxic. In the same time, whatever the religion, it's not only Christianity. Oh, every no. religion can be totally toxic, yeah. and even every spirituality can be totally toxic. So, you know, I wanted to contribute to help people face this toxicity the same way that I had to face it and find how to build your own free, life-sustaining, healthy spirituality. Yeah, that's actually beneficial for, for you. I really oh, cool. love that analogy of the, lifting up the stone and all the yeah. toxic Jesuses are running around. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love that. So I knew like a lot of probably I would say a lot of religious people can kind of feel like superstitious when something bad happens to them. Did yeah. you ever feel at a certain moment, like when you broke your leg that, oh, it's because I left the church. Maybe this is like my payback or maybe God is trying to punish me or something. Maybe I should go back to them. So all these bad things will stop happening to me. Did you ever have any kind of thoughts like yeah. that? You know, it's interesting because I had this experience very quickly. Mm. And it it helped me. It made it was I, I was very confident that even if this kind of thoughts and feelings could come, it was uh, expressions of this toxic Jesus. Mm. It was. It's not real. It was no no question for me that yeah. it was toxic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned earlier that obviously you have also been a perpetrator of spiritual mm -hmm. or religious abuse, as I think we all are, because we're kind of encouraged even from children to like call people out and tell people, mm -hmm. you know, who's spiritual mm -hmm. or not, who's doing the right thing, who's being a good follower of Jesus and stuff like this. So even a child can even be, you know, a spiritual abuser, you know, we're kind uh, of taught yeah, to do that, you definitely. know? Calling yeah. people, you're not saved, you know, you're going to hell if you're not saved and this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's the way to kind of recruit people by, you know, shaming them, guilting yeah. them, making them feel something is wrong with you because yeah. you're not following Jesus Christ, you know. So what kind of, you know, based on all the kind of Jesuses that you mentioned from your book, what kind of Jesus were you? Wow. Toxic Jesus. <laughs> One was very important was Jesus the magician. Mm. Jesus the magician, you know, who expect things to come from above. Yeah, it's not me who have to do things. Jesus was expecting things to come from his father, and he was doing a lot of miracles. Mm -hmm. And I was very much influenced by that by that because when something difficult was happening. Uh, I was expecting Jesus to fix it. Yeah. And it was one, one side of the coin of Jesus, the magician, you know, this expectation of miracles. Mm. But 
very often, most of the time, if not all the time, miracles don't happen. So there is another face of the coin. Mm. And if, if Jesus doesn't fix it, if God doesn't fix it, it means that it sees his will. Yeah. So we have to, to submit to it with fatalism and resignation. Mm. So, you know, expectation of miracles and fatalism and resignation, both sides of this toxic Jesus, the magician. Yeah. Which was very present. And it was something about the Jesus who loves death and suffering as well. I had this kind of idea that uh, we had to suffer. Mm. Yeah. Is that kind of that inherent? Um... You know, when they say, you know, uh, Jesus died for me, I can never pay the price. I'm forever mm -hmm. in debt to Jesus, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, I'm in inherently not a good person, really. I have exactly. to prove all my life, all my life, I have to prove it yeah, yeah. to Jesus that I'm worth it, you know? And you know, that's something terrible because we are brought up into this uh, idea that we are flawed that we are totally corrupted by sin. So we spend our life to, to learn to repress our deepest impulses mm. and intuitions and intelligence and emotions so on and so on. So we totally fuck up our inner compass. Mm. And that's something I discovered after leaving the church. I had no more any inner compass, you know, because we have some, something into us that says, okay, that's good for me. Mm -hmm. That's the way I want to go. Yeah. And I had used all my energy to every time this, okay, this is good for me, to repress it. Yeah. And to replace it with, okay, what is the Bible saying? What is the pastor saying? What is my father saying? What, and so on, you see? Mm. So I needed years to, to reclaim some access to my intuition, to my, to find my north again, you know? I love that, I really, yeah. really love that. And this, this idea of sin and of us being totally flawed mm. uh, is really something that hurts this part of us. Yeah, like and that no leaves some people are. very disoriented when they leave the church. Yeah, because they don't, they, they didn't learn how to behave, how to to decide for themselves. Self, exactly. Without referring to external influences or authorities, somebody else's belief, yeah. Yeah. the Bible, yeah. praying yeah. about it, that kind of thing. When. Yeah. Sometimes we know the answer. Did you struggle with that when you left the church initially, like decision-making? Or did you just say, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to do what I want now. Yes. <laughs> I would say that I struggled a bit with it, but it was delicious to discover this freedom. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it took me years to, to become aligned with my truer self again, yeah. you know? Because I, 
I fucked up a lot of things during the first years and I made a lot of stupid choices, but it was okay. I needed to, to do it and I needed to, to do, really to do my own experiences. But little by little, I began to say, okay, this is okay for me. This is not. Mm. You know, these things that you have to learn when you are a, a child and a teenager and that hopefully your father and mother are going to help you to experience because they, they, they help you to be, to be okay with yourself. Yeah. I, I never had the opportunity to do that. And I had to do that in my adult years. And it was probably more difficult and more painful in, in some moments. But it was delicious to little by little regain and reclaim this ability to be connected with myself and to be aligned and to find my own values and my own sense of life and, you know, to this, this ability to, to drive my boat in the good direction. Yeah, that's really good to, to explore, actually. So obviously, kind of growing up in the church and adopting their mindset and, you know, becoming a pastor, um, really living that, you know, token Christian life. You know, how, you know, obviously you're a parent. How do you think that you would parent your children now as opposed to the way that you would if you were still in that environment, you mm -hmm. know? Because I'm sure it's like totally different. You mentioned like, you know, your parents not really giving you those, mm -hmm. those tools to actually think for yourself, to actually do some critical thinking, follow your intuition and really develop that in a strong way, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, you're just doing what feels right to you. You're just doing, yeah. following the path that's like, you know, you feel aligned to. Hmm. How do you think that you'll kind of help your children to live that kind of life mm -hmm. as opposed to like, oh, you know, is this what my dad says is good? Or, you know, I have to follow this set of rules or, yeah, yeah. you know? I would say, you know, we, we, we are more examples than uh, our our example speaks louder, yeah. our life speaks louder than what we can say to our children. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I would do much things, many things differently mm. because my, my children were still quite young when we left the church. Uh, they were below, uh, ah, let me remember, they were, less than uh, than 12 years old so okay. okay i think they would have benefited of a father who would have been more integrated more aligned yeah. more uh, peaceful mm -hmm. more uh, healthy human <laughs> yeah that that's the the, the main point yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that your kind of mission with the book is just to kind of reach people who maybe have been through a similar experience to you, right? I wouldn't say a mission, but it was something that was in my heart, you know, something that I was hoping to be able to share. 
yeah to kind yeah. of make sense of it all like you know yeah, this, yeah, is my story. Yeah. this is what yeah. happened to me you know if you can identify with these kind of toxic jesuses yeah. in your life or yeah. in your church or whatever you know yeah absolutely you know i've yeah. i've also written a book which i'm trying to edit at the wow. yeah that's the name of the book um it's going to be called um soul destruction falling for the narcissist yeah because i actually kind of went through two kind of abuses simultaneously Uh i was being abused by a narcissist in the house and Mm -hmm. then obviously narcissistic leaders you know in church you know alleged prophets and stuff like that giving false prophecies and things like that that. performing miracles and all the rest of that so that's going to be in my book as well so I'm kind of explaining how did I kind of get into a relationship with a narcissist and not know how did I do that Mm -hmm. and then obviously be in this cult you know that's Mm -hmm. calling itself a church it's calling Mm -hmm. itself a church but it's really a cult and again still not know so I just felt like at the end of that entire experience you know my soul was actually destroyed you know that's why i call it soul destruction you know yeah and it's kind of similar to you just after leaving i was just like i want nothing to do with the church i just need to just be my mind do do not invite me to sunday service do not invite me to anywhere i'm not coming i don't want to know don't send me scriptures don't tell me to read the scripture i don't want to know period period you know And then, you know, kind of, you know, warming up to, you know, I wouldn't say religion again anyway, but it's more like just giving yourself permission to take information because, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible. There is a lot of wisdom in the Bible, you know, and a lot of other um, religious texts, but it's the way that people will take those scriptures and holy books and actually package it for you. That is like, you know, doom, literally. By the time they've packaged it and put it at your door, it's like, oh my goodness, I have to take all of this. This is how I have to live my life. You know, it's like very, very demanding environment, I think. So for me, I was just happy to like, just be away from that environment. Again, I did lose a whole lot of, you know, I'm saying, you know, people to not invite me to church and stuff, but I had no friends anyway to invite me to church in the first place because everybody in the church that I'd left behind, nobody wants to talk to me. I'm seen as like the devil, the the mm-hmm. one, the sheep that got away, the evil sheep, the devil has, you know, influenced her, take over mm-hmm. her mind, that kind of thing. So I was very, very isolated after, but I, w- I wouldn't regret it at all, you know, leaving. I think it's just, it was just something that was necessary for my soul to do, yeah. you know, yeah. step away from that environment and just really discover who I am, you know, not who I have to be or who I think I have to be, you know, because that's mm-hmm. what it was, who I think I have to be, you know, um, by following these rules, you know, I'm a good person if I do this, I'm a good mm-hmm. person if I do that, I'm going to heaven if I do this, I'm going to hell if I do that, when it's not so total, you know, mm-hmm. in life, nothing is just black mm-hmm. and white, you know, these people are going to heaven because they prayed, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. these people are going to hell because they didn't, it's not like that, you know, I'm getting to know, I'm nowhere near as you know spiritual as I'd want to be but I'm I'm definitely on a spiritual journey um you know after you know detoxifying myself from um 
you know, a toxic faith, I would say. And I see that you are doing that with a lot of determination and intelligence. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely necessary. But, you know, my kind of, I, I'm going to call it mission anyways, to, to really give people permission to do so as well. Like when I see your posts on social media, I'm almost like, oh, did he say that? You know, did he say that? Because there's so much like, even the title of your book, can I just say as well, like, you know, toxic Jesus. Oh my God, how dare you, you know? How dare you call Jesus toxic, you know? A lot of, you know, maybe religious people would be repulsed by the, the how would you even put that in the same sentence you know but it's really giving people that permission that here is all the information in life here is so many religions here are so many stories and you know mindsets and stuff and you can literally just pick from whatever feels good to you you don't have to follow a set of rules there is no i need to behave like this or i'm not going to heaven just be yourself you know give yourself to permission to do that even if you do have abusive leaders don't you know kind of shy away and say oh i'm not going to call him out because he's a man of god well who told you he was a man of god you know did you meet god did god tell you that this guy was 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 the man of god you know Because I think yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like self-appointed men yeah, of yeah. God, I just yeah. see it as maybe a like a monetary gain to yes. you know self-appointed and meeting a lot of people who need strong figures. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. To, to submit to and some people are looking for their abusers because they are so insecure in themselves mm-hmm. and it's such uh, an inner work yeah. to to begin to be able to put these boundaries and to 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 become able to protect yourself exactly yeah. i grew up in a single parent home so i mm. always promised myself as a child oh i never want my child to feel like this i always want to give my children like a mummy and daddy at home that kind of thing and i felt like you know i let this prophet choose my husband for me and tell me this is your husband you know and i felt like okay him really but because i thought like maybe it's a safer option to listen to somebody that's in the faith, somebody that's, you know, older than me, wiser than me, you know, spiritually more connected to God than me. And I thought, okay, maybe it's a safe bet because I don't want to make a mistake. So maybe I should listen to him to tell me who is going to be my husband, you know, to tell me if I should marry this person, you know. And that was literally the worst thing in my life because my intuition was literally like this is not your this is not your husband you know literally slapping me in the face you know i was having dreams i was like seeing things like even just about him that was like this guy is crazy you know but because you know this guy had told me that okay you have to marry this guy this is your husband i did i i thought you know i had to do that so it's really as you said looking for your abuser you're literally saying you know I need you to tell me what to do. I need you to order me around and control my life because I can't do this, you know, by myself. I don't have the tools. It, it requires a lot of courage to, yeah. to face it and to speak like you do. Yeah. And that's why I want to do, just give people permission to do that, you know? If there's mm-hmm. something in the Bible that is like a contradictory, 
you have the right to say that that's okay you know if you think some 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 part of the religion is a bit you know abusive you have the right to say that if you you know if you want to step away from the religion and live your life and just you know without Jesus or whoever it is that you're following, you know, your yoga teacher or whatever, your spiritual guru that you've been following, your cult leader, whoever it is, your imam, whoever it is, that's okay for you, you know? And that's what, that's kind of like my message, you know, by speaking about the yes. abuse of spirituality, the abuse of religion and that kind Richard of thing. Sister. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I think we've had a wonderful, um, a wonderful interview today. So I'm gonna kind of bring it to a close now. Is there anything else that okay. you want to say? No, no, I was very happy to meet you and to hear your story, you know, very inspiring and much respect to you. Thank you, much respect to you too. I'll be ordering your book tonight, actually. I might just Thank do you. that when I get off this call. Thank you so much. Let me know what you think about it. I will, I, I will definitely be wanting to find out what kind of um, toxic Jesus that I was. <laughs> I would be interested in reading yours. Let me know yeah. when you- I'll let you know, 100%, 100%. Yeah.